So you realize the Lord wants us to give to him, but have you ever stopped to consider why? Giving in the Bible, the teaching of tithes, the teaching of offerings, isn't God's fundraising campaign. It's not his way of fundraising. You know what it is? It's his way of disciple-making and teaching us what it means to live in submission to him. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace, online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed Taylor will camp out in John chapter 12, verse 3 today. And if you'll recall last time, we were talking about true worship as seen in the life of Mary. But today, we want to have you consider her sacrificial giving. We're told that she poured a very costly oil onto the feet of Jesus. Some saw it as a waste, but the Lord saw it for what it truly was, an act of worship and sacrificial giving. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them to John's Gospel, chapter 12. The last time we were together, we covered the first 11 verses as we learned how beautiful it is to, to, to smell the sweet fragrance of true worship. And we zeroed in on Mary uh, in verse 3 because Mary, in the midst of this gathering, she takes out a very costly pound of, of oil, a spikenard, it says, and she anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Her, her worship changed everything in that room. It, it, it brought about a sweet-smelling aroma to all that were there. Through her sacrifice, through her worship, everyone benefited. And there was a response, wasn't there? Because anytime there's true worship, there's always different types of responses. Many times people will join in the worship. It's like so exciting. I want to worship too. But other times, like we saw with Judas, his true colors came out. And he's all oh, so super spiritual. We should have, we, why did she do that? What a waste. We could have sold it for a year's wage, which, by the way, makes it very expensive. I could have sold it for a year's wage and we could have given to the poor. But John makes sure we understand that Judas was a liar and a thief. And he wasn't interested in the poor at all. He was interested in stealing the money that could have come by selling that oil, that sweet-smelling oil. So Mary took this valuable possession. You could say even that it was the most valuable possession that she owned. It was her most treasured possession, you know, having a, a possession that's worth a year's worth of our wages is a pretty significant thing. For her, it was even more significant because this oil would be used in, in a few ways, but one of two very important ways. If a woman had this expensive oil, it could have been used to, well, one of the purposes was to anoint the body of a close dead relative. That was often what this would be saved for. It was for a very solemn, special occasion. And yet, because of what we saw and learned with Lazarus, her own brother died, and she didn't use it on him, she had much higher value on it. We're not told why. We're never told she used it. She still has it, and so she didn't use it in that way. 
And you go, wow, man, that's a pretty valuable thing. She didn't even use it on her own brother. Another way that this oil would be used in a woman's life is that she would use it as a dowry for her future marriage. It would be used to finish the transaction of marriage in that day. And yet, we find that she gives it to Jesus, which essentially is what she's saying is, I'm going to sacrifice this through my act of worship even if I never get married. Even if I never experience marriage, this act of worship, this act of sacrificial giving, is that worth it to me? She declares to us through her act. As we looked at the last time, the sweet fragrance of true worship, today I'd like to introduce you to the sweet fragrance of sacrificial giving. Because really, Mary inspires us in the realm of worship and giving. You see, I had a study already prepared this week. We were going to finish off or come pretty close to finishing off the chapter together, depending on how far we got. But it was in our Wednesday, night, Wednesday morning staff meeting. We have staff meeting Wednesday mornings, also our pastor's meeting. And we get together in the morning. First thing in the morning as a staff, we pray. And we've been praying over those all-in commitments. You remember the ones that you put in at the beginning of the year when we had that Bible study stirring up faith and stirring up commitment. And we put those little pieces of paper and then Pastor Joel and his dad built this cross and we had it up here for a couple weeks and we invited you not only to write something dear to your heart about the coming year, but to come up and place it on the cross. And we committed as a church, we committed as a church staff to pray for you and we have been all year. Our prayers are changing a little bit. Although we're still very hopeful, we're also thinking, oh Lord, I hope this has come true. I hope this has already happened. I hope those that have written this down have experienced this victory or experienced this this overcoming uh, attitude or whatever it is that you've asked for. And so we were praying for those. and, uh, and, And as we're praying, one of the sisters was praying. I don't remember exactly now what she said. But as she was praying, she inspired a thought in my mind that it was encouraging to me. As she was praying, her perspective of the message last week was really cool. And so, so I opened my eyes, and it's okay to pray with your eyes open, in case you wonder, especially when you're praying when you're driving. That's a good idea. None of the folding of the hands and closing of the eyes when you're praying driving. And, and one of the things I like to do, I don't know if you do, but when I'm praying, I like to have a notepad. I always have a notepad nearby because I don't know what God's going to do, what scripture he's going to inspire, or like this. So I took out my notepad as I was already there, and I was already writing notes, and and all I was going to do was rework the introduction because I think the introduction would have fit well. and, And by the end of the day, I just felt inspired to rework everything and to focus on this one verse from this one perspective on the topic of sacrificial giving for you and me as a believer. Now I know, and it's unfortunate, that the topic of giving in any church today seems to be a very uneasy, sensitive thing. And because it's sensitive and uneasy, many pastors just completely gloss over this important topic, and they shouldn't. We shouldn't. It's an important one. It's too bad that over the years, uh, pastors and different religions have taken advantage of genuine, sincere believers and ripping them off through money. It's not the heart of God to rip you off and to take your money. It's not God's heart. And any true church walking alongside the heart of God is also going to to exhibit that same attitude. That God's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. But by the way, the money that you have came from the Lord to begin with. It's not your money. I always catch myself, because I do use it, so I'm sure you do, talking about my money, my possessions. That's technically not true. It's not my money and my possessions. 
They belong to the Lord. And he's entrusted them to me, whether it's money, whether it's my kids, whether it's some possession, some position, some job, whatever it might be, then it's not my money. It's not my stuff. My Bible, which God has entrusted to me, you get that? I don't own the Bible. It belongs to him. His word tells me that he purchased me for a price. So ultimately, I belong to him. And everything I have is his. And he, owes all of my, uh, he, he has owed all of my allegiance, all of my commitment, including giving. You know, the Bible warns us, Paul did, you can jot it down in Acts chapter 20. Peter did, for 2 Peter chapter 2, that there would be people that come and want to rip you off. And even come in the name of religion or in the name of God. Peter put it this way, they will by covetousness exploit you with deceptive words. That's both doctrinally and practically. The environment when it comes to money and giving in the church today has gotten so bad that I'm certain that within my voice right now, there are a few skeptics. And already, it's your first week here, and here you are elbowing your spouse saying, there it is, it's just another one of those pastors wanting to get their hand in my back pocket and take my money. First of all, I don't want my hand anywhere near your back pocket. And I am in no way interested in taking your money. You and your giving and your resources, that's between you and the Lord. And I would encourage you to a biblical perspective on your things. Not just the level of giving that's the bare minimum, but like Mary here, giving of great sacrifice for the benefit of worship and obedience and those that were around her. And here at Calvary, it's not true. We're not interested in taking advantage of you. If you've been around long enough here, whether this is your first week, you're learning something for the first time, or you've been around for a while, you know that we take both a biblical and a low-key approach to giving. We believe it's biblical, we believe it is mandated, and we also believe that it's not our responsibility to push and prod you to obey the Lord, but rather teach the Word of God to you and allow the Holy Spirit to bring you to the place of obedience Now, you know, uh, you Bible students know that at the temple, the attitude of those coming to the temple for worship included offerings and sacrifice. They knew what they were coming to the temple to do in worship. They would bring their offerings to sacrifice on the altar, and they would also bring their tithes. And along the area there, there were those boxes that were shaped like trumpets there in the court of the women area. And they were there for the giving. It's the same place that Jesus was when the Bible declares to him that he was standing there by the offering boxes seeing how people gave. He didn't just look what they gave. He saw how. And that's a different Bible study altogether because God sees not just what we give but how we give. But he was there at the area of offering boxes. Now one quick glimpse around the room here, around the sanctuary, you'll notice that we too have taken that approach and there are offering boxes all throughout the sanctuary. There are offering boxes available to you there that when you come to worship, that this is what you do when you worship. You, part of your worship is the giving of tithes and offerings. Now I realize with technology available today that many of you have chosen to put a regular online giving and certainly that's the same perspective where you give regularly unto the Lord through the body of local believers, the church that you're a part of. But we take a low-key, balanced approach And we expect, I believe as a pastor, I believe God expects that of me as a brother in the Lord, that when I come to worship, that part of my worship is naturally giving. 
And we believe in tithing. We believe in supporting the work of this church, of the local church. We believe the Bible teaches strongly about giving, not just what we give, but the heart of giving. We believe that God teaches to give generously, to give sacrificially. I believe that the Bible teaches us to be, have the attitude of being a giver, not a taker. I mean, isn't it interesting in the world that we live to, that we live in today, how much we're surrounded by takers? They're just take, take, me, myself, and I, taker. But God's heart for the believer is not to be takers, but givers. I mean, doesn't the world need a few more givers today? (laughs) And I think if there's anyone in the world that would represent the giving heart of God, it would be God's kids. Those that are by relationship with him. I mean, God, what did he demonstrate with us? The Bible says this, that God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his best. He gave the best. And he continues to give. And when you, when you look at the giving of God, you recognize that God gives both to the just and the unjust. <laughs> he gives out of grace. He's a gracious giver. And all of those attributes are in us, believers, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That we might be gracious givers ourselves, not takers that we would impact the world in a way that would point to the love and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And we believe that giving is important. It's an important part. As a matter of fact, I believe that giving is easy. It's one of the easier things to do as a believer. It's so easy to give. The Bible speaks of giving from the first fruits. And so when we give from the first fruits, we give. We get a paycheck, we give. We get a gift, we give. Like right off the top. We give. It's, I saw one of the parents uh, this week walking out into, the, uh, into, the, into their car from the bookstore, and they had in their hand two boxes, and I knew exactly what they were. They were the little plastic banks, uh, little banks, coin banks, that we used with our kids when they were young. We have them down in the bookstore. And it, I know now that though, that parent, I know him, I know them, that they're going to teach their kids how to give. This is the time. And they have little precious girls, their oldest just turned five, and they're going to begin the process of teaching them how to give. And the banks are amazing because they're broken into three sections with little stickers on the front, plastic see-through banks. Section number one has the label church on it. And this is what we do with our kids. Any money that they got, it didn't matter where it came from. If they got a dollar from their grandma, or they got money for a lost tooth, or they found a quarter in the parking lot, we taught them, this is what you do. And on the bank side, you give 10% to the Lord. It goes there first. You go, Ed, what about the 25 cents? How do they do that? Find two and a half cents and put it in there. And then on the other side of the bank, of that little bank, it has a label of bank. And so like the Bible teaches, you teach, we taught our kids how to save. So they took money out, they gave it unto the Lord, number one. Number two, they put some money away to save. Now, a good beginning is 10%, just like a good giving with, uh, with giving unto the Lord. A good beginning is 10%. But with Marie, she had him put down a little bit extra. Uh, she called it a rainy day savings because she just knows kids. Uh, they're going to want something one day, and they can make their own decisions as they save with their own money. And then in the middle, it had a picture of a, a, a piece of, you know, a sticker that said store, and they put all the rest of their money in the store, and then they can prayerfully decide how to use the rest of their money, whatever they have in there. And you know, there was an age uh, when they were younger that it was really discouraging for them to get 10 bucks from grandma and have six bucks to spend. Like, I can't believe it. I got six bucks. I have to do this. And they, they were processing the reality that money didn't belong to them. Learning discipline. Learning what it meant to set money aside on obedience to the Lord. And I don't know, each one of my kids were at a different stage, but every one of them came to a place where they began to realize and value and understand their stewardship of their money 
before the Lord. And my oldest son, of course, went off and got married, had a family of his own, and he took those principles into adulthood and very successful. My son uh, is doing the same thing. My daughter, now entering into adulthood, doing the same thing. But you know, it's no different. That's what God does with us. He's teaching us to honor him. He's teaching us to, to take what he has entrusted to us, honor him, even set some aside for a hard, rainy day that might come up, and then prayerfully consider how to use the rest that might glorify him. You see, giving in the Bible, the teaching of tithes, the teaching of offerings, isn't God's fundraising campaign. It's not his way of fundraising. You know what it is? It's his way of disciple-making and teaching us what it means to live in submission to him. Because there's a, there's a wave in the church today. It's not just those that, that want to, you know, take advantage of you. And it's really sad, you know, because it, it, it just, it, it's not just sad, but there are times when, when I, I get really upset with it. And I, I turn on so-called Christian TV today, and I see these guys on there, you know, just putting the, putting the pressure on, inventing some weird thing from some obscure verse and saying, you know, if you give, you'll get a million-fold return. And it, I mean, it's sad because people are being taken advantage of, but it also burns me up. I don't like it. It doesn't represent the Lord at all. And so there is that sense of, man, putting pressure and guilt, and, and that's just simply, I don't believe the heart of God, and that's not going to happen here. That's not my heart. You know, your giving's between you and the Lord, and if you choose not to give, then you're going to have to deal with the disobedience and the consequences of that in your own life. Now, unfortunately, we're also going to have to deal with that because uh, we're a part of the body here. But I know that over time, God is going to continue to teach you, and you're going to go along with what he desires in your life, especially when it comes to money. I think it was D.L. Moody that said, if you really want to gain the sense of a man or a woman's spiritual life, look at their checkbook. Where do they spend their money? Because what did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your money and the money that God has entrusted to you. So I remember when Marie and I were first got married, man, we were struggling and, and, then, and then we, you know, we got saved. And part of it, you know, part of the struggle, because I, I think of my own giving and I think what a privilege that I get to be a part of what God's doing on the earth today, all around the world. Because before I got saved, I used the money that I had for myself. I used it to destroy people. I used it, I mean, I bought more booze and drugs than you can think of. I put my family so deep in debt. I, I made things hard when Marie was trying to make a meal. We would come to the end of the month and not be able to pay bills, and we'd have to move this money and that money. Why? Because I just say, man, I just did whatever I wanted to do. I had no relationship with God whatsoever. But now being born again for the last 20 plus years, to think that some offering that we give is going to bless a missionary, it's going to see somebody saved, it's going to have a teaching go over the airwaves, or to think of, man, maybe somehow in the realm of heaven, we're going to find out just how much fruit has come from the faith of our giving. And to me, that's humbling. I'm humbled that God would choose to use me like that, that he would invite me into his program on the earth today. And and like I said, giving is one of the easier parts that when I give, that the Lord's going to multiply that, that he's going to use it in some supernatural way, like the loaves and the fish, man. Can you imagine that kid that gave up his lunch? You know how hard that might've been for him? This is all I got, man. Well, give me your food, kid. You know, who knows how they told him? here's my fish, you know, here it is. But you know what happened? He gave everything, and then he got a meal back that he didn't expect that day because he was like everyone else. He ate to the full that day, but he gave up everything. Mary here giving up the most treasured, costly possession. I mean, it's amazing what a privilege it is to be involved in what God's doing. 
And not just to settle in at some level of giving, but to go farther and farther, asking the Lord for wisdom, giving myself to Him. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. If you'd like to hear the message from the Gospel of John again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Ed Taylor. Well, Pastor Ed, I don't need to remind everyone about the cost of gas or rising inflation to make the point that these are lean times for many of our listeners. What would you say to the person who is thinking, I can't afford to give right now? Well, I'll tell you, Larry, one of the first things I would say is that's a real feeling. I mean, when you're looking at your check, you're looking at your bank account, you're looking at the bills, you're seeing the high prices of everything, 9% inflation is real. And when you are already living check, paycheck to paycheck, that places a great strain on the resources that we have. I can't tell you how many times Marie and I, in those early days, um, I mean, the first 10 or so years of our marriage was, man, we always had more bills than money at the end of the month. And yet the Lord was faithful. And what would I say in terms of giving, uh, even though that you, you feel like you can't afford to give, Uh, One of the things I share with our church all the time is I can't afford not to give. Everything I have comes from the Lord, and it comes before bills, it comes before a mortgage, it comes before a car payment, it comes before a grocery. Everything I have, every dollar I've ever worked for, every gift I've ever received has come to me from God, and it is wise for me to obey God in what He tells me to give to Him of the first fruits right out of the top right out of the gate, not on the net pay or trying to finagle it so it's the least amount, but I give on all the increase. And this is something we taught our kids, something that Marie and I practice. From every increase, 10% automatically goes to the Lord as a base tithe. 10% automatically goes into savings uh, as we walk in the wisdom of the Bible of putting things away in case of tragedy. With our kids, we also had them put in another 20% uh, what my wife would, what Marika would call rainy day savings for an emergency fund, just setting it aside and maybe an emergency, maybe a gift, or maybe they have a birthday gift to buy for their friend or whatever it might be. And then the rest they can use as unto the Lord. And it's wise for us to give unto the Lord first. It belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. But when we give, we then step out in faith. And yeah, it might be harder today. But because things are hard doesn't mean we can choose to disobey. So if somebody asked me that, that's what I would say. And I think the Lord would honor that as we honor him first. So please be faithful to your local church. And don't forget, tithes is almost always mentioned with offerings. And the category of offerings goes to ministries like the radio station you're listening to right now or this particular radio broadcast, or that homeless man at the red, red light that you're stopped at, or that need at work, where you're not just giving to someone at work, you're giving to someone at work in Jesus' name, with the hope and the, the desire to reach that person with the gospel by financially helping them or getting them through something. So give. Uh, don't stop giving because it's hard. Uh, press in when things get hard and trust the Lord. He'll provide. The Bible promises He is faithful to provide. Thanks for those words of encouragement, Pastor Ed. 
Each month, we pick out a book we think can really help your walk with the Lord and encourage you in the Lord. Today, we're pleased to offer you another excellent resource. It's a book by E.M. Bounds on prayer. Now, you might think of it as seven books in one, and it contains inspiring reflections on the power of prayer. It's broken down into short chapters, so you can read in bite-sized portions. It's a great way to start the day and an excellent addition to your quiet time with God. Request your copy of the book titled E.M. Bounds on Prayer today. To get a copy for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover some of the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number, 877-30-GRACE. We'll share another helpful message from Pastor Ed Taylor next time on Abounding Grace. We'll look for you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.